You're listening to a podcast of New Covenant Church. Join us Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in Pompano. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Let's listen to God's word. Verse 9. Now, concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you're doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may live properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, all these things we give to you. We, we, we want to serve our kids. We want to serve our community. We want to serve our our. our people here from every age group. We want to serve everyone, and we are so aware of our inability as frail human beings to do all that you've called us to do. And so we need your spirit, God, to lead us and to empower us. And even as we look at your word right now, as we see these these instructions given, these encouragements, God, there is life there that we want to grab a hold of, and we can only do it if you breathe life into us. So help us now, God, to be changed by your word, to be impacted, and to go out and live it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I went to, uh, some of you know this, some of you may not know this, I went to a, uh, a military college. My life was headed in a very specific direction before before it wasn't. Uh, All through high school and through college, my life was headed towards the military. I had picked up military scholarships out of high school um, for all the different services, and I eventually took a Marine Corps scholarship to uh, the Military College of South Carolina, which is also known as the Citadel, and was the most amazing four years of my life. God, in the middle of that, took a drastic took me in a drastic change of course, which led me to where I am now and, and standing here before you. But up until that point, that's, that's what I was doing. That's where I was going. And it, as amazing as those four years were at the Citadel, it was hard, like the hardest four years, you know, one of the hardest seasons of my life. And really, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's college, it's rigorous college, as well as many of the elements of military life. Um, and so it's just not your normal college experience. And first year is the worst, like by far the worst year that any college student I think could imagine um, because it is a system and you are just treated, it's like nine months of boot camp with college added in and you are just, you're nothing. They break you down so ultimately they can build you back up into um, something useful. <laughs> and... Um, so during that time, during that first year, there's just lots of work to do. Not just schoolwork, which is their college, but also just tasks and, and menial jobs and things that you just don't want to do ever. Like some of it you never would really want to do long-term, other things you would never want to do ever. And one of the, the, the worst things that I had to do or we had to do often were, were cleaning up messes, like cleaning up the mess of other people, especially the upperclassmen, because some 
you know, college students are still college students, and so they would pl- there were a lot of pranks being done. And so I actually have a picture of what the barracks look like. So this is what our barracks, this is where we, where we would live. And each corner, so you see like there's a letter G on the right-hand side. Over in the far, on the far left, there's, there's an H. So that's how the companies were organized. That's like our, our group, our unit. And those letters, you know, that's like your banner. And so what would happen is sometimes you would do things to other company You would do things to their letter. So one of the worst things that would happen is um, upperclassmen would take cartons of milk, and we had in our rooms, it it was very Spartan, like we had like old school radiators, like steam radiators, and so they would take their cartons of milk and they would put them on the radiator for like a week or two, you know, really get that milk in an unhealthy state of existence. And then what would happen is at night, at some point, they would usually send a freshman over to one of the other letters, and they would throw that disgusting carton of milk at the letter. It would explode everywhere, and we would wake up the next morning to the most disgusting experience. I hate milk on a good day. And I have these memories of waking up and the upperclassmen saying, oh, we got to go clean the letter. And we would be out there and we didn't have like mops and stuff. We had garbage pails of water and brooms. And so we would go and we would have to pour the water, sweep up the most horrid, rancid milk you ever could imagine. And that was, that didn't just happen once or twice. That happened on the regular and it was just the worst Life is full of work. Some of it good, some of it clean, some of it messy. Tomorrow's coming, right? Tomorrow is Monday. Most of us in here are headed to jobs. Work is something that we all have to deal with. It's an absolute part of life. It's something that we, we, we need to talk about. See, if I were to ask you to fill in the blank, and I said, okay, for you, work is blank. Don't shout it out. How would you fill in that blank? I said, work is Blank. And right now, I can feel the temperature rising in the room as you are thinking and stewing on you. Like, Adam, it's Sunday. I don't want to even think about tomorrow. Stop. Well, I can't stop because I want to help you. I want to help you for tomorrow. I want to help that blank be something that is maybe not miserable. We all have different perspectives on work. Each of us could fill in that blank with something different. We have different jobs. Some of us have a lot of jobs. Some of us have no jobs. Some of us had a job. Some of us have lived and experienced work in all kinds of capacities. Some of us love our work. Some of us hate our work. And so the question that we want to be asking ourselves is, okay, does God care about my work What does he think about my work? How does he want me to think about my work? And so as we explore wholeness, that's that's been our theme for the last two months or so. We're talking about wholeness. This is is our our church mantra, our vision. We want to see wholeness come to South Florida. We want to be agents of wholeness. We want wholeness to exist between us and our creator and then for that to expand outward everywhere that we go. And so work is an absolute part of this discussion. 
We have to talk about the place where we spend most of our time each week. And so what I want to do is help us frame this discussion of work into something good, into something godly, so that we have a biblical view of work, a godly view of work. Because if we ask the question, why do I work? It's something important for us to think about. Why do I work? See, for for most of us, or some of us, not just us here, us globally, we would say, well, work is just something I have to do. I have to work. I knew that after school, I had to get a job because I have to live. So I, why do I work? Well, because that's what I'm supposed to do. Or maybe, maybe more common would be to say, well, it's because I just, I need to make money. I need to make money so I can do the things that I want in this life. From the simplest of like eating to the more complex. But is Is that it? That's the question we have to ask. Is that it? Is that what God wants from us? Is that the big dream that he has for your life to say, yep, I want you to work for the the 40, 50 years that I've given you in that kind of season of life where you're not a child, but you're, you're an adult where you need to work. All I want for you to do is to work so you can make money and have the nice things that you want. Or is there more to it? Should there be more to it? And so I think it's important for us to think through the why. I want to tell you that there's more to it. I want to tell you that God absolutely cares about your work and that he has a bigger vision for your life and your job, your season of work. And that wholeness in our lives and in the city is strongly connected to work. So God calls us to work. And if, if we, I want to connect some dots for you because our directing scripture, it comes from uh, Jeremiah chapter 29 and the verses four, five, and six, this is, this is what's happening. See, we went over this like five, six weeks ago. I would encourage you to go listen to that message because that will fill out the picture. But this, this passage is, is crucial to connect dots to the passage we're talking about today in 1 Thessalonians because look at what he says. See, this is, this is, God talking to Israel. Israel has been taken captive out of their homeland. They've been thrust into enemy territory in Babylon. And this is what God says to them. He says, I've sent you into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses, live in them, plant gardens, eat produce, take wives, have sons, have daughters. Multiply. Do not decrease. It's a call not to sit back and say, well, uh, I'm not really in the station of life that I expected, and so I'm just going to wait till things get better. No, he says, I'm calling you to actually be active, productive, and, and work where I have sent you. And part of the stream through this series has been where I, where I am is where I'm sent. And we're trying to get out of this mindset like, oh, South Florida, I hate it, I can't stand it, I can't stand the people, the politics, the bugs, the weather, the rain, the wind, the, the storms, and getting out, shifting out of that mindset to say, no, God has put me here for a purpose, and this is a piece of that. Because then when we look at verse 7, he says, seek 
So I want you to do this, build houses, plant gardens, marry, multiply, and seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. So I want you to see that God has called us to work, and it highlights this strange and unique connection. Because with our scripture today in 1 Thessalonians, I'm, I'm showing you a picture from the Old Testament and a picture from Paul in the New Testament that where he connects something that we would not connect. He connects God's call for us to love him and love people and how he connects love to the call to work. And so I, I am hoping that today, I can change your life in 20 minutes <laughs> or at least start the process of life change where we, we look at that, that phrase, work is blank, and we start thinking differently about it. And I don't want to minimize anything that you're going through in your life as it relates to your job, but I, we have to recapture, we have to reclaim. Just like last week, we, we reclaimed, or the week before, we reclaimed religion and we reclaimed relationships and we, we're gonna reclaim the idea of work so that we can honor God with our life and how he has called us to live in light of these truths. See, there is this strong connection between love and work. It's a unique connection, it's a strange connection. The welfare, the wholeness of the city is directly related to how we view work, how we think about work, how we do it, how we do work. And it's an important connection for us to see. We work because it helps people. We work because it helps people. That's the primary reason that we see throughout Scripture, and we see it in verses 10 and 11 here. Right? Paul says, I want you to love one another. I want you to, he's like, I don't even have to tell you that you need to love one another because you're already doing it, but I, here's what I do want to tell you. I want to see that grow more and more and more and more. I want to see that love increasing, and you want to know how? I'm going to know that that love is increasing. Go get to work. He says, I want you to aspire to... There's some funny language in here, right? I want you to aspire to a quiet life, to minding your business, and getting to work. There's something like so fatherly in that, isn't it? It's like, like just shut up and get to work. Like, just stop. Mind your business. Stop getting involved in everybody's life, everybody's world, and let's go. Let's get to work. See, this... this this connection is so important because it guides us, it pushes us into a proper expression of, of work and of love. Because if we start asking the question, well, what is work? Work is an expression of love. It needs to be an expression of love. Work is a calling, right? He says, love one another more and more. Go to work with your hands. And I think it's unusual to see these two concepts connected so closely. And that's why it's so important. It should, we should look at that and go, hey, Paul, it seems so disjointed. He's like, I just want you to love. Because we've been talking about love in here a lot in terms of relationships, in terms of religion, in terms of how we are to see the church and 
love is at the center of all of it, it's no surprise that love would be at the center of how we view work. So we need to think about this. See, our jobs are an expression of our love for people. Our jobs help people. Our jobs are for the common good. But we, we don't see work this way normally. We, we typically see work as about me, as about what I can get. I got to get mine. I got to get my paycheck so that I can do the things that I want to do in this life so that I can get that house. I can get that car. I can get those season tickets. I can get to that vacation. And those are not, I'll tell you that, that's not bad. So let me take it to another level, right? I work so that my kids can be provided for, so that they can go to college, so that I can have health care, so that there is nothing wrong with thinking or seeing work as a means to that, but that cannot be the primary reason that we work. Trying to get my kids to understand this. Raising three kids. And especially my boys. We're trying to help them to see work as valuable and trying to see work as uh, not just intermission between playtime. Because that tends to be how they see work. It's, I, I want to play, I want to live my life, I want to have everything I want. Oh, you're telling me to work, you're telling me to do chores or drink, you know, get, get the dishes out of the dishwasher. Like, there, there's this, this rub that happens in those moments, and then we're trying to parent them, we're trying to help them, and we are going, okay, how do I, how do I get my boys to love work? And so I tend toward the nuclear approach, which is, I'm getting rid of everything. I'm going to burn it all. We're going to teach you to be grateful. So you're going to have zero and we're going to start building from there. And thankfully I have a wife who veers from the nuclear approach. I want them to appreciate what they have. And so God, God is pushing me and pushing us to see work a little differently. Because even in my nuclear approach, even in that, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get rid of it all. It's bad because what's the center of it? Their stuff. I'm, I'm at fault, too, because I'm, I'm, I'm moving away from the center of what's supposed to be, where work is supposed to be valuable because it's an expression of love. It's an expression of our relationship with God. And I'm just saying, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to center it around all your stuff also. It's just way on the other side. God is pushing us to see that work is more than getting all the things that we ever wanted in life, that work is an expression of love. I think we're having a little medical issue up front. Is she okay? Leah, no? Can we get some guys to come help?
So we're going to pray for our sister. This is Leah. She's fighting cancer, and she has been going through chemotherapy. Eleven oh one Northwest thirty third Street. Third Street. Pompano. Let's pray, church. Father, we pray for our sister who's fighting disease, who's in the middle of treatment and is struggling right now. God, we pray for her life. We pray that you would touch her right now as she gets care as she receives care. God, we pray for healing for her from this cancer. We pray that the treatment would not take the life out of her, Lord, but that she would find healing and wholeness in you, God, that you would bring a touch to her even right now. We hurt with her, we hurt for her and her family and ask for much grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We need to continue to pray for our sister. She fights cancer. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going here, if you have grace for that. <clears throat> As we talk about work being an expression of love, we, start to ha- we have to answer some questions, right? If you are a Christian, if you consider yourself a Christian, what does it mean to be a Christian worker? What does it mean to... To, to be a Christian worker, and maybe you've asked this or people have asked you this, what does it mean to be a Christian doctor or to be a Christian plumber or a Christian engineer, a Christian business owner, gym owner, whatever it is, what does that mean for your life? What is God looking to you to do as that Christian worker? Does it mean, oh, I, I got to have crosses everywhere on my wall, in my office, in my cubicle? Does it mean in my work truck, I have to have scripture references out so when I'm driving around, everyone knows that I'm a Christian? Does it mean that when I, in, when I engage with clients, I have to try to convert them every time we talk? Is that what God is asking for me to do? And here's the, here's the answer. Here's the simple answer. Maybe God is calling you to do some of those things. I have found those may not always be the best courses of action Let me tell you what the thing that speaks the loudest is. You want to be an amazing Christian plumber? Make sure the toilet flushes. Make sure the drain is not clogged anymore. You want, Tim Keller uses this illustration. He says, you want to be a great, you want to be a Christian pilot? Land the plane. Get to where you're going. You want to be a a wonderful Christian worker? Do your job well. Really, really, really well. Sometimes, this is, this is a bit of a problem in our community because sometimes people don't want to hire Christians. 
That's, that's a problem. If, you, if we think Christians just want to make money, not do a good job, not, not be quality in their, in their craft, and, and sometimes when Christians hire Christians, they feel like, well, you know, the, the, the worker feels like, oh, you're supposed to give me a break, give me a deal, give me grace, give me, listen, give me a good service. Give me the best that you have. That will reflect God's love in such a unique way in this world because we need that. God, it, Dorothy Sayers, she, she was a, an author in the late 19th century, 20th century. She, she says, the only Christian work is good work well done. The only Christian work is good work well done. Worship God by the excellence of your work. If work is an expression of love for people and for the Lord, then how we do our jobs is going to speak volumes. And so we need this. We, we need to understand this. Because when we ask that question, well, why, why work? Why should I work? Work is an extension of how God made you. See, we're putting the pieces together. There's this connection between love and work. There's this expression of love as we do our work. And we're understanding that work is an extension of how God has formed us, how he has created us. God has made us to work. Lots of places I could go in the Bible. And God has gifted you and gifted me with abilities and talents and our work should be an extension of those gifts and talents. And if you've gone through like our membership class, our discover track, if you've gone through our small group leader training, if you've seen any of that, one of the big pushes we have is we want you, if you're going to serve here in the church, we want you to serve in areas that you are gifted and passionate about because we believe we're going to get the best from you. You are going to serve God in such a unique way and you're going to love people so wonderfully different than what they're used to. And I would say it's the same in your jobs. God has gifted you in, in your work. Use those gifts. We should do work that fits our gifts and that helps people. It's this two-pronged approach. And sometimes we hit the jackpot and we, we operate in a job where we really feel like we're helping people and we're right where we're supposed to be in our gifting. And if you, if you feel like that's not you, that, that's, you haven't found that job, that's a great mix of both. And I would encourage you to think deeper about what you're doing right now and say, okay, God, how is what I'm doing helping people? How is it providing a service for the greater good? And... How can I better use the way that you have gifted me to do that job? And if you find that you're in a job where those principles are not working super well, then, then push past, try to think deeper, try to find purpose in your current job, or maybe it's the Lord pushing you to say, maybe there's a different job for you. Maybe you've been working for the wrong reasons. Because sometimes a paycheck may not just be worth it. We want to see our work as something bigger than just earning a living. Work is an expression of the creator. Paul says to work with your hands, right? He says, aspire to live quiet lives, mind your business, and work with your hands. That's an interesting phrase because working with your hands was seen as... As, as low. It was seen as demeaning. They were in a culture, the Greek culture, where the mind was everything, where you were trying to be extra spiritual and intellectual. That was the measure. If you were 
if you were really doing good things, if you were working with your hands, it was seen as, ah, oh, that's, that's, that's the working class. That's degrading. You only, only do that if you have to. And Paul is saying, don't let the culture define how you view work. Don't let the culture define what you're doing with your time. Work with your hands. Get involved. Get down. Get dirty with your hands because God cares about that. God sees value in all of that. He cares about the physical. It's not just the intellectual and the, and, and, and the emotional. The physical is important to the Lord. See, the Greeks were trying to get rid of the physical, and God was like, no, no, no. The physical world is important. God works God is a working God. He actively works in creation. When he formed man, it says in scripture that he breathed the breath of life into mankind, into Adam, and he formed him from the dust of the earth. He used his hands. We see Jesus came and he was what? He was a carpenter, clearly someone who works with his hands. We see when God is going to come to restore all things, he's going to create a new heavens and a new earth. It's not just the spiritual realm. It is physical and I, I labor this point to say this, that there is value in all levels of work. You are taking God's creation and your job and you are bringing order to it. You're creating good through it. And this pleases the Lord. In, in the beginning of, of chapter four, Paul says, he says, he says, uh, this is what's pleasing to the Lord. We're telling you how to live in order to please God. And then he jumps to our passage, which says, to go to work. And so here's, here's, the, here's the pivotal statement. Our motivation to work is that we work for the Lord, not for people. First and foremost, we work for God. Look at what he says in Colossians. He says, whatever you do, work heartily, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. There is this principle that we work for God. He's our boss, not our boss boss, not our clients. You work for the Lord in whatever it is that you're doing. This changes everything. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up as we, as we close. Understanding this is going to transform our lives. I mean, this impacts everything. How you work, the ethics of your work, how you use your time. It changes the way we view work. We can start saying, okay, in that little statement, work is blank. We can fill in that blank with something other than work is terrible. Work is something to get me the things I want we can start seeing that work is a calling. Work is special. It is a privilege. This is going to change how you lead in your workplace, how you serve in your workplace. We work for him, and so we work not to get stuff from God, but to reflect God's glory and to show our love for him because of what he's done for us. Do you see that? God worked for us. He did everything for us. He, he sent his son to die on the cross for our sins so that we might have life. And now that we have that life, he says, I want you to use all that life to serve me. And that would reflect strongly in our day-to-day -day life and what we put our hands to. And until we learn this, until we learn to work for God's sake, we will never find fulfillment in work.
And so these truths, they, they transform us and they impact us. They revolutionize us, specifically first in your identity. This is something we're all looking for and craving. We are looking, who am I? What is my identity? Your identity first is in Christ, not your job. And this is a problem, right? Professions tend to give us identity, right? Well, I am, I am a I am a doctor, I am a lawyer, I am a plumber, I am a mailman, I am a pilot, whatever it is, that, that might define a lot of your life, but it is not your ultimate definition. Your ultimate identity is found in that you are a child of the King. You are a child of Christ. You are an heir to the throne of heaven. When our work becomes our identity, bad things start to happen, right? When we're successful, we get proud, we did it, we're strong, we, and then we think we know everything and we're experts because we're an expert in law, we think we're an expert in everything and I make lots of money here so that means you must listen to me in all these other areas of life. That's a problem, that's not true. Pride is a, it's a problem. When we're successful, that causes problems. But then when we're unsuccessful, it causes the whole other side of that. We're, we're crushed. We feel like failures. We feel like I don't have worth because I'm not doing well in my job or I'm not earning enough money. And God is saying, look, it's not there. It's not that. How about if you're retired? I know we have some people in here who are retired. You, you put in your time in your job and now God is calling you to a different season of life. If your job is your identity, when you retire, does that mean you're done? No. Now we just get you for free. God is calling you to work, to work for him. It's not about a paycheck. It's about what we're putting our time and our energy towards. It is an expression of your creativity in the service of others. You want to know what work is? That's it. It's an expression of your creativity and your gifts in the service of other people. There was a writer, his name is Benjamin Nugent. He, um, he, he, he was a, a novelist and wrote articles, um, and he, he made this statement in his writing. He went through a bit of a crisis. He said, I made the quality of my work the measure of my worth. I made the quality of my work the measure of my worth. And how many of us do that? I will tell you. There's some feedback happening. Can we fix that, please? I'll tell you, I struggle in this, man. I feel if I don't do well, if I don't, if I don't give the ultimate sermon or lead the staff well or do whatever it is, so I can feel that feeling of, man, I am worthless if I am not, if I don't find worth in my, in my work, in my quality of my work. And God is saying, that, that is, it's death, Understanding what we're talking about will help us see that our identity is not wrapped up in our work. So it impacts our identity. It impacts our dignity. I've kind of touched this already. Our dignity, it transforms our view on dignity. All work is valuable and it has dignity in God's eyes. Now, understand what I'm saying here, okay? Not any and everything that you ever would do because there are things that would violate God's scripture and principles. But understand, we're talking about what you put your hands to to work. It's valuable. There is dignity in that. The measure of your worth is not wrapped up in how much you earn. You were made in the image of God, and that gives you dignity. 
And when you think of work, as we've been talking about, you can hold your head up high because you are working toward the the service of people, the service of the Lord, the wholeness of the city. And so it impacts our dignity, our identity, our dignity, and also our integrity. And this plays into what I just said. See, it gives us a moral direction. When we understand who God is and our faith is in him and what he has given to us, it it pushes us to do work that honors him. And when there's those temptations to uh, maybe cheat a little bit here or steal a little bit there or or not do my work the best to my ability, I can say, no, God is my boss. God is pushing me to work for him. We work for him first. And and then finally, our generosity. As we understand the biblical view of work, it will impact your heart to give. To give. When you see how much you have been given, Man, it, it overflows out of us, and we just want to give it away. We want to give everything away. You won't be living for money anymore. You won't be living for identity. Your goal isn't just to climb the ladder of success. You are working for the Lord. He's your boss, and that should push us to be free from, man, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, how I'm going to make it here or here. Like God is, God is working on your behalf, and he's saying, I want you to be generous, and I want you to give. And that's just not money. That's your time. That's your your talents, as well as, of course, our treasure. So this is what God is calling us to, my friends, to reclaim our idea of work. And this is just a step. It's a stepping stone. There's, I didn't give you all the answers today, but I want you to go into work tomorrow. And as you're thinking tonight and praying tonight about what has God called you to tomorrow, whether you're retired or whether you're going to a, a, your day job, God wants you to shift that thinking. He wants you to think deeper and have a renewed heart in your work and that you can choose tomorrow to wake up and say, God, you have given me this day. You have given me this job. I want to do it with everything that is in me. And God, if this is not the place that you want me, then provide another job. Provide a place where I can give of myself in the way that you want me to give. Church, let's stand together. God, we, we, we pray that together. And I know there are so many emotions that are running high in this room. And we are, we're concerned about our work. We're concerned about our sister who was just taken off. We're concerned about our own families, our lives. We're concerned about our own bills. And here I am saying, don't worry about paychecks. And yet tomorrow we know that there is the need to be paid. There is the need to pay bills. There's a need for expenses. And I, God, I know all of that. And better than I know all that, you know all of that. And yet you still call us to see our work as redemptive, as powerful, as important. Because of the love so great that you have given us, you have called us to love others in our work. And so God, I pray we would find a renewed sense of wholeness in our jobs, in our day-to-day, so that you would be glorified and we would serve other people and we would not make our jobs about us and what we get next, but about how we are serving the people around us. The only way we put this into practice is if your spirit breathes life into us. So God, I pray, use us. For those in here who have not put their trust in you, the invitation is there. You say, come to me. 
all who are heavy and burdened, and I will give you rest. The irony is that when we find fulfillment in our work is when we truly find rest because we're trusting in you and resting in you. So help us, God, to live this out. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.